Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Words podcast with me, Michelle Adams. This week we are sitting down with a debut author. Now I think it's really special to have your debut being released. It's such an experience that you're going to remember no matter how many books you go on to publish further on down the line in your career. The first one is always something that's going to stand out in your mind. For me, I remember spending the whole day just going through Twitter and Facebook and answering messages and I couldn't concentrate on anything else because I was so excited that my book was coming out into the world. And so I'm really pleased to be able to welcome Sophie Flynn to the Beyond Words podcast. She is the author of All My Lies, which is going to be released on the 23rd of April this year. This week, we talked about what it's like to be a debut author, how we come up with our first ideas for our very first books, and whether we still think on the other side of getting an agent and a publisher that it's still just such a crazy idea to even think about writing a book. I hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. I really enjoyed recording it and I'll go straight over now to our chat with Sophie Flynn. Sophie, welcome to the Beyond Words podcast. It's so nice to have you here today and to be talking to you about your new book, All My Lies. Thank you for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here and to get to talk about this book, which I read recently um, as a proof edition, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's really a great thriller, very tense and um, a lovely story to follow. So um, I'd love to start by just having you tell us a little bit about it and to introduce the book. Yeah, of course. So thank you so much for reading. It's uh, still bizarre and exciting when anyone says they've read it because outside of my agent, my editor and my mum, it's still all very new because obviously it's not quite out in the world yet. Um, So All My Lies is a story about um, a woman who's trying to escape her marriage by running away with her childhood sweetheart. Um, But it all comes a little bit unstuck when he actually disappears. Okay. Um, and when did you, when did you start writing this book? Uh, is it a, is it a long journey into writing or, or is it something that came to you in a, a burst of inspiration? No, I mean, it feels very long to me. Um, I think I started writing it probably about five years ago um, and kind of went through various redrafts over and over again. I think I probably finished the final redraft maybe this time last year. So um probably four years solid writing and then a year between getting the deal and it coming out, which I think is this bit that's slightly shorter than most people's because I think publication usually takes a little longer than that. So it feels like forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what was it that led you into writing this story? You've touched briefly upon um, the themes that it's about somebody trying to escape an abusive marriage and running away with a childhood sweetheart. What was it that, that drew you into this story in the first instance? I mean, the the way I started writing it was it was a bit random. I kind of came up with a on-the-spot question when I was at a writing class and they asked me what my novel was about and it didn't exist. Um, so the first kind of question I came up with was, um, what would you do if your childhood sweetheart, your first love came back into your life, but you were already married? Um, which obviously could have been kind of a nice romantic, although slightly troubling story. Um, but from there on, I just kind of went into the different themes of 
why why would that be a problem if you were in a happy marriage obviously you wouldn't be if my um first love came back it wouldn't wreck my marriage um and then yeah I, I'm, I'm really interested in first love and kind of the nostalgia we look back on our childhood with um and so the story became really about that kind of the relationship between these two people who've grown up together um who's come back into her life when um she's kind of supposedly happy and settled um, in a seemingly very nice life. And can you tell us a little bit about the characters that you created and, and the way that that story plays out? Um, because it is obviously touching upon what's quite a difficult subject for so many people about being in an abusive marriage. Um, how did you how did you deal with those sorts of themes? Um, so, I mean, I think a lot of the I mean, this is probably going to sound quite awful, but a lot of the James is the husband um, who is obviously not a particularly nice man. Um, and a lot of the kind of things he does are taken from kind of stories friends have told me or things that have happened to people I know or myself, not to the degree they are in the book. Um, but I think most women, sadly, have experienced some level of kind of a damaging relationship. Yeah. So it was, I, I've kind of done research into things and spoke to people, but it, it's mostly kind of from, unfortunately, it's not a hard thing. I think most women would find to relate to, to be in that kind of yeah. relationship. I think it's more common than not. If you kind of yeah. get to a point where you've never had that sort of controlling relationship or quite toxic. And some of the things he says, it's, it's more kind of on the gaslighting side um, of things. And I think so many people I know have experienced that. That, yeah that's that's because there's the research side of it done <laughs> sadly um and and we're seeing in the media as well there's obviously a lot of discussion at the moment about um issues that surround the treatment of women so it mm-hmm. feels very topical to be having your book released at the moment to talk about and raise awareness of the the issue that there is around women's relationships with people and the way they are treated by the other people in their lives yeah and it's been really interesting for me to get some early reviews to kind of people it's gone out to because it it, it is a bit of a split view um Anna some people have said they they don't find particularly sympathetic which I, I found quite interesting and I think from the kind of people I know who have read it I think if you've been in a relationship like this you get it and yeah. I think a lot of the people who are going oh I don't get why she acts like this have probably never been in that situation um, yeah. And do you find it quite hard to understand why a woman would be in a relationship that was so damaging? Um, so that that's quite. In, I find that quite interesting when people say, "Oh, I don't feel any sympathy." Um, and what you um, were saying in the first instance when this book first came to you as a concept, and uh, you're your writing class and and the book sort of didn't exist, and and this <laughs> idea came to you, and it obviously could have gone in a different direction it could have been a sort of romantic tale um so what was it that drew you to creating a thriller novel um I mean I I grew up reading kind of a mix of mostly kind of Sophie Kinsella style um romantic fiction uh Katie Ford people like that but at the same time I was also reading lots of kind of Harlan Coben, James Patterson, that was kind of my, the stuff my dad was reading. And I've kind of not, I don't think I'm in the middle of those by any means, but I, I, I have always been drawn to the kind of darker themes and kind of that side of life. When I was first drafting the book, I was working as a police press officer. 
Um, so the kind of day-to-day stories I was, I mean, real life stories I was yeah. kind of enthralled in were much darker than anything. And I've, I've never managed to write anything happy or chirpy. <laughs> I like the idea of it, but I just, it always turns into something really bleak. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think all my eyes, you say it turns into something bleak and obviously it deals with some very difficult things. But I do think there is a sort of, there's a very strong heartbeat of hope that runs through it as well. And I think oh, some good. of the best thrillers, <laughs> some of the best thrillers have that, that they're not just, they're not just dark and, no. and dismal. They have that, that touched of, of sort of hopefulness for the future, which I think all my yeah. eyes really has. Oh, that's, that's really nice to hear. Thank you. I, I was hoping that it would. Um, <laughs> as I, I, didn't, I didn't want to end kind of on this really bleak, awful note because you've kind of created these characters you really care about as well. So I didn't want to leave them in an like, awful situation. So I'm glad that that came across. One of the places I think that really does come across is in the relationships that some of the female characters have. And that's something I really love in fiction. I really love... Um, the exploration of female relationships whether it be in a very negative way um or the positivity that we can share between relationships um and without leaning into what happens in the book um there are some women in the story that they sort of they have to come together to sort of um work past any of the issues that are in their life and one of the um themes around that is motherhood Mm. um and so I'd love to know how that blended into the story about a sort of psychologically abusive relationship and and how that found its place within all my lies um I think it's interesting because I I am really interested in writing about motherhood and my second book is also on those themes but I'm not a mother yet um I'm incredibly close to my mum and my sisters and we've got I mean I speak to them I literally speak to my mum every single day which some people find really strange but my mum rings me and my two sisters every day and sometimes it will just be like a one minute conversation where she'll go how are you what have you done today what are you having for tea um and I find that totally normal and I think it's only when I say it to people and they're like you speak to your mum every day I'm like yeah I do (laughs) and that's such a huge part of my life so the idea, I mean, Anna in um, All My Lies doesn't have a good relationship with her mother. So she looks for that elsewhere. Um, and the family that she has, her kind of immediate family, just isn't there for her. And she doesn't have that sense of connection. So I suppose because I'm very lucky and I do, I can only imagine how difficult it can be when you don't have those people around yes. you who are kind of supposed to love you and support you more than anybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's probably, I don't know why I'm so interested in it. It's really nice, actually, that something as positive as a really nice relationship with your mom is <laughs> what inspired you to to make motherhood such a prominent theme in your fiction. I think that's lovely. <laughs> that's <good>. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I'd love to know is about your journey into being a writer. You said that this book has had a sort of a, a, a long gestation period of, of many years but what is it that um, led you into writing and, and had you been writing something else beforehand? Um, when I was uh, like small like little as a child I was obsessed with writing I used to write books books kind of two page A4s all the time and I've always loved stories but 
I actually moved more into music when I was uh, kind of going to university. I was studied music and was trying to kind of be a singer-songwriter um, and pursued that for a little bit. But what I really loved about doing that was writing the songs, um, writing the lyrics. And I found I didn't really love being on stage, lugging a guitar around, um, <laughs> just generally <laughs> the whole experience. And I was like, why? This is such a hard thing to do. I don't love it with everything I have. So why am I doing it? So I kind of stopped. I stopped that, which was weird in a way because I'd always had this creative thing going on, like alongside normal life. And then I kind of had a job, which I liked. I was, it was, doing the police press stuff so it was interesting but I was like oh this is odd that I've now just got this life I'm going into an office and that's my whole life um and I'd always loved the idea of writing a book but it just seemed a bit insane (laughs) I thought how do you even do that (laughs) has your opinion changed at all (laughs) no it's insane (laughs) it's totally insane but it just I just remember just thinking like how like how does anyone do it and my husband he wasn't my husband at the time but he is now I remember saying to me oh I think you'll write a book one day I'm sure you will and I think just something about him going of course you can do it like why wouldn't you be able to do it just made me try um so I literally had like no one I know was a well now they are I didn't know any writers my family aren't writers or in the kind of art world at all so it did feel a bit like a this is a strange thing to pursue but um yeah and I think I think now my whole life is filled with writers so I can't really imagine five years ago just feeling like it was this totally alien concept but it, it really did feel like that to me um so I did take a few creative writing classes just locally but I wanted to do something kind of, I felt, I remember sitting at my desk in the police and it was around the time I wanted to leave the job anyway. And I was just writing this list of what I wanted to do with my life. And it was just, I just want to go and do some writing. And I was like, maybe I just, the only thing I really knew was to go and do an MA. Um, And I couldn't afford it at all. So I, I had a student loan, which is now just added onto my enormous student loan from before so it just it was this odd thing because it was a big investment it was a big time investment um because I was having to do it around my full-time job and travel up to Oxford which at the time was about an hour and a half one-way trip um which I'd do on a Thursday night straight from work so I did that for two years while working um that's a really big commitment to take on yeah and I did it on a bit of a whim to be honest it was like the summer and I remember just applying for it thinking it'll probably not happen and then they were like yes you're in and I was like oh my god I'm actually <laughs> now what <laughs> and I oh god I just felt so out of my depth when I first started this MA just everyone just seemed like a proper writer and I just felt like I'd kind of slipped in by accident um but yeah I mean I, I know people can say oh it's not always the right way to go and do a course but I think for me because I didn't know any other way like now I know so many different things you can do without spending a huge amount of money but just I didn't know about podcasts about writing I didn't know about festivals it was just a mystery to me um so that was the kind of way I went I think actually when you when you are really keen to start writing but you're not part of the writing world you're just Uh, maybe a reader with a a passion for writing poems or stories or whatever it's very hard to visualize becoming part of the writing world because it seems so closed off and even when because I did it differently I I wrote manuscript after manuscript and tried to get an agent and you know when you're trying to knock on the door and get in 
it's really like it just feels impossible so I think whatever way you take in order to get to the point that you want to get I think it works you know I don't think there's any such thing as don't do an MA or don't do a creative writing course if it gets you to where you want to be then then it's the right journey yeah definitely I mean what what it gave me it was just that understanding of how things work I remember in the first term one of the tutors saying like will you be trying to get an agent and I was just being like why would I oh I could never get an agent that's I was writing this book but I was just like that it seemed comical that anyone would think that there would be a point where I could even think about getting an agent um but then by the end of the two years, that's what we were all trying to do. So there was a real shift, I think, in confidence for me that it was a thing people did um, and could do. So surely it could be something that might happen to me eventually. And so for you then at that point, when you'd finished your MA and you were then at the, at the, at the stage when you said, I have a book and I have a story to sell, what were the steps that you took? Um, because I'm sure that there might be someone who's in that position listening to this writing podcast and book podcast what would you tell them what what was what was it that you did that succeeded for you um I don't know (laughs) this this was this was real luck well I finished the draft and I was talking to one of my best friends about this the other day because she's just finished her first draft um and I was so excited to finish this draft because I'd written 30,000 words through my MA over these years and I thought I've just got to write the next 50,000 now how hard can that be and it proved to be very hard so I ended up doing it during nano I did it all in one month because I was like I can't draw this (laughs) it was kind of like this mash of like 30,000 words which had been really finely tuned and then 50,000 words written in like a haze Um, and then I'd finished it and I'd spent years and years waiting to finish it and I had a bit of a meltdown because I was like I just don't know how you go from having this bizarre draft to getting it better um and I was literally just scrolling on my phone one day and I saw an advert on Instagram for um a woman called Georgina Green who's local to me but no one's local to me in terms of writing usually because I'm in the Cotswolds and it's quite rural it's not kind of city things things aren't generally on my doorstep um but she just lives in a village near me and she was just setting herself up as a book coach um, and was offering sessions where you could go sit at her kitchen table and she'd kind of help you with your plot um, so I think I was I think I was probably her first client that's um, incredible it, it's so lucky I absolutely adore her and we still talk now she I <laughs> I just I said to the other day I just don't know how I'd have ever got that first draft into a good shape without her because I just felt like I needed to sit with someone and then be like here's all the issues um, and it was great I loved working with her um, Obviously, that that was lucky because I was one of her first clients. So it was on very, very cheap rates, which was not wor- like worthy of her time at all um, because she was setting herself up. So it was a bit of a fluke because I think if you work with people like that, when they're more established, it can be really, really expensive, which I wouldn't have been able to do. Um, but yeah, we just sit at her kitchen table and draw graphs of all the characters and come up with ideas. And so I, I did have a lot of help. I'm definitely not. Um, here on my own by any means but I think any writer also that's what we're trying to get published for I mean obviously we're trying to get published to publish a book but um, the reason to have an agent and an editor and a publishing house is so what you finish yourself is not the end product they're they're going to make it look good they're going to tie it up I love that stage of working with an editor in the publishing house because it changes what you present and makes it so much better so I think having that sounding board must have been so valuable 
yeah it really was just having someone read my whole book from start to finish <laughs> I was amazed by <laughs> Because it's hard to get someone to read your whole book, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it really is. Um, and so this book is is going to be very shortly out in the world. It's going to be released on April the twenty third. Um, we're we're not in lockdown like we were, but it's not entirely normal. So how are you going to be celebrating launch day? I haven't got the whole day planned out. Um, I'm going to try and plan in some fun things so I don't just sit and obsessively check my Twitter account and Amazon because that's probably not very healthy. Um, in the evening, I, I work at Jericho Writers, um, who are a writing services company, and we do a lot of events. So my lovely colleague and our events manager, Anna, has, is arranging a book launch for me with my that's agent wonderful. and editor. Yeah, I'd, I'd hate to, if I, if I was doing it and I wasn't with Jericho, I don't think I'd host my own book launch because the idea of people yeah. not showing up would just be horrifying. But so you're having a launch in real life oh no people. sorry no not in real life on zoom <laughs> I, th I was very excited for you no, sorry. you were going to be in a place with real people <laughs> no I sent the invite to one of my friends and she was like oh, I'm so excited to come to London I was like why are you coming to London it's, it's on zoom <laughs> I'm not going to London and she was like oh I just assumed if it was a publishing thing I was like no <laughs> sorry <laughs> so you'll be having a launch party yeah um and once this book is out in the world, obviously all eyes then um, from behind the scenes will go to your next book. So are you writing at the moment? Yeah, I am. I'm, I was only in a one book deal for my first book. So I'm kind of back, back uh, going out on submission again with it eventually. Right. Um, but I have, I wrote the whole first draft of it before I'd even signed my contract for All My Lies. And then was thinking, oh, this would be great. I'll just redraft it. And by the time it comes out, I'll have a fully formed second book. It hasn't really worked out like that. Um, in between kind of the summer when I uh, signed the deal and now there's just been so many editing things to do on my first book um, that yes. it's taken up more of my time. But I'm, ne I'm nearly at the end of the second draft of my second book, um, which has actually been much nicer than writing the first one to be honest because when I got the panic of I don't know what to do I thought yeah I do I've done it before <laughs> I wanted to ask you about your writing routine um so you said before that you were working for the police mm. and I wondered it sounded a little bit like you'd left that and are you now writing full-time Oh, no, no. I, I did leave the police, but to go, I've had a few jobs since then. Um, I work for Jericho Writers, um, technically four days a week. And then I'm right. supposed to have my Fridays off to write. Um, but it's quite a busy job. So I'm often, I'm often working a little bit on Friday. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky because it's four days a week, not five. Um, yeah. And that fits well. It's nice to have that one day where I know that I can just do all my writing stuff. Um, I, I'm not great with routine. I, I admire people who say they write every day. I, I've never been able to do it. I just, it, the idea of it makes me quite stressed even to think that every single day you have to yeah. <laughs> write. Yeah, um, yeah. It just doesn't suit me at all, but I, I can write quite quickly. So if I have 20 minutes of focus, I, 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 will, I will produce something. But when I have all day, I often kind of meander around and yeah. like I've written, I've got a thousand words done this morning. Um, and done about five more things I needed to do. But if I had the whole day free, I'd probably still only do a thousand words. 
Yes, so I, get, I can totally appreciate that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm supposed to be writing this morning and I haven't written a single word. <laughs> still early, you were like. <laughs> well, for me, it's one o'clock. The whole morning oh. is gone. So. <laughs> okay, maybe not. Um, well, all, all my lives, I, I took a lot from reading it. I really enjoyed the book. I highly recommend anyone when it comes out to pick it up and, and read it. Um, what I'd love for you to be able to do, if it's okay with you, is to share a short passage with our listeners um, so they can get a taste of it as well. Yeah, no problem. Aren't things always more pleasurable when you know they're about to end? As the bedroom clock ticks down the seconds until my new life can begin, I bury my body deep into the goose feather duvet and let the comfort engulf me. Next to me, James's warm morning breath tickles the back of my neck as a fizz of excitement stirs in my stomach. Outside, the birds sing their morning wake-up call. This isn't the sound that James likes to wake up to. Soon his alarm will cut through their song and the room will fill with the crisp voice of the 7am newsreader. I close my eyes and let out a tiny sigh of pleasure as the final melodies of the dawn chorus play. Today, I won't put myself through the routine he so often demands. There will be no morning sex. I press a hand over my mouth as a mad giggle threatens to erupt from my throat. Where are these thoughts coming from? Anna Whittington doesn't think such things, but I'm not going to be Anna Whittington for much longer. I gently swing my legs from beneath the duvet and walk across the room. I sneak a look back at James before stepping on the creaky floorboard by the door. He's still asleep. A smile pulls at my lips, but I shouldn't get ahead of myself, not yet. I grab my least favourite dressing gown from the back of the door, then finally I'm out. As I creep down the stairs of our renovated Victorian terrace, I pull the flimsy belt around me. I hate this dressing gown. Hate that it won't ever make me look like the model from the adverts, no matter how much James wishes it would. Hate the way it emphasises my short, stumpy legs. But it's James's favourite. Tomorrow I can wear whatever I like. I'll probably wear nothing at all. In the kitchen, my roses have withered. I sweep their brown crispy petals from the table into the palm of my hand and crush them before throwing the rest of the bouquet in the bin. I make a mental note to replace them, then remember I don't have to, not anymore. A threat of laughter tickles the back of my throat again, but there's no time for thoughts like these. I need to get through the final steps first. No distractions. At least it's easier to play the good wife in here. I know my place. Make it tidy. Make it perfect. And so I begin. Coffee beans in the machine. Milk throthed, ready to pour. Orange juice placed on the table. Croissants warm. Butter spread. Places laid. Every year the same. His perfect birthday breakfast. Just as everything is set, James comes pounding down the stairs. Suited up as usual. Hair slicked back meticulously. My stomach clenches with tension, but I don't let it show. My cheeks tight with the force of my smile. He almost smiles back as he sees his expected feast, looks approvingly at my choice of dressing gown and takes a seat at the table. He doesn't ask me to sit, doesn't offer me a croissant, knowing I won't consider eating 500 calories for breakfast, even if he allowed it. Today for him is fine. His birthday is the one day a year. His sugar-free granola, a 0% fat Greek yogurt, can be replaced with this indulgent feast. The warm, buttery smell fills the kitchen as I watch him eat, croissant flakes crumbling down his pristine suit. He wipes the crumbs onto my newly cleaned floor. I swallow my annoyance. 
soon this will not be my floor this will not be my life that's wonderful thank you <laughs> thank you so much for sharing it with us oh. and for being here on the podcast it's a real <laughs> it's a real joy to talk to you about your wonderful book and oh, when it comes so out at the end of April I wish you all the very best for its success oh thank you I really appreciate it thanks for having me it's a pleasure nice to talk to you Sophie bye you too. thanks bye